Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is November the 12th, 2021, and I'm happy that you're able to join me, happy to join you. Uh, You know, it's interesting. Yesterday, uh, we remembered the veterans. It was Veterans Day, appropriately enough, marking the end of the uh, war, First World War. It gives us an opportunity to consider the unbelievable sacrifices of the men and women of America's armed forces who've been going in harm's way in behalf of our country to defend the Constitution, to defend our great republic at great personal expense. So many died on the battlefield. Others came home grievously wounded physically, emotionally, perhaps both, uh, having experienced unthinkable horrors. Somebody very wisely said that war is hell. Uh, And if you speak to any veteran who experienced combat, and I've had the privilege of knowing quite a few, uh, the stories they tell are heart-wrenching. We took people out of civilian life and put them into hell to defend us. And when I think about immigration, I want you to think about it from a different perspective, and I've probably mentioned that on this program, but I think it bears repeating, especially the day after Veterans Day. All of our armed forces, all it's now six branches, thanks to President Trump, the Space Force, but all of the branches of America's armed forces share one common mission, to keep the enemies of America as far away from us as possible, as far from our shores as possible. And I've made that point when I've had the privilege of addressing rooms filled with uh, military brass, generals, colonels, etc. <clears throat> I've never gotten any pushback. No one has ever said, oh, that's crazy, Mr. Cutler. No, they all said, gee whiz, you know, you're right. That is the, the shared mission, to keep America safe by keeping our enemies away, defending us from those who would want to harm us. But up close and in person, that vital mission upon which rests national security and public safety, that very vital mission, that existential mission, falls to the Border Patrol and the men and women of ICE. You would think it's common sense. Immigration for far too long was looked at as a minor issue. I worked for bosses who never understood the true gravity of the mission. People want to come to America, no shock. But the question is why? And typically we're told, well, those who come looking to live there permanently are looking for a better life, and very often that is the case. And those of you who are familiar with me, familiar with this program, know about my background, you know that I worked for the former INS, Immigration and Naturalization Service, for roughly 30 years. Began my career as an inspector at Kennedy Airport, where I determined whether or not aliens should be admitted into the United States, either as immigrants or as non-immigrants here for temporary visits, whether they were students or tourists or business people, journalists, members of the clergy, diplomats, they all come through ports of entry. 
The border wall, by the way, is not designed to stop people from coming to America, but just make certain that they go through a port of entry so they can be vetted. <clears throat> that we were talking about sealing the border hermetically so that nobody would ever get in. These are the lies told by the globalists who don't care about America, but they care about their own wallets. They want to gather wealth, as I was told by one fool who I uh, wound up testifying before Congress. He was also a witness called by the other side. And he told me, I've got to stop pushing these issues about border security because the border was an impediment to his wealth. <clears throat> and I told him that that border was actually our first and last line of defense. We certainly agreed to disagree. But the point of the matter is that when we're told they're all coming, if they come to live permanently, looking for a better life, and that's not true. And when uh, Kamala Harris made the point that she's going to go to Latin America, I mean, talk about a no-show job. She could be working for Tony Soprano and the mob, right? No-show job. Where is Kamala? <laughs> Goodness gracious. You know, where's Waldo? Where's Kamala? God only knows. And, and, and incredibly, as bad as uh, Biden's approval rating is going through the floorboards, she's actually beating him in that race to, to oblivion. But the point of the matter is, when she said, I'm going to go to Central American leaders and work with them on the root cause of illegal immigration, it's as though the only reason people come here is to work. And by the way, that by itself is a problem. And when I hear the conservatives on TV say, well, if the immigrants want to come here and take a job and not go on welfare, that's great. No, it's not. Not if they're displacing American workers. I mean, understand the way people see this business. The immigration laws were enacted initially and primarily to protect American workers from foreign competition. That's how you look out for your own people, to make sure Americans get the jobs, to make sure that American kids go to college, and when they get that degree, they will be able, if they do well enough, to get a degree in their chosen field, engineer, programmer, biologist, chemist, doctor, whatever, nurse. The idea to success in America has always been linked to education. My mom came here as a 13-year-old, lived by herself in a rooming house because she was essentially abandoned by her father. Horror story. I'm not going to get into it, but um, it was terrible. So here she is, 13, living in a strange country, can't speak the language, supported herself at 13 years of age. Lots of white privilege here, folks. Working in a sweatshop making umbrellas. Think about that. But she and my dad, my dad had an eighth-grade education. He was born here. His family came here from Russia, Romania, um, fleeing the Tsar and all the craziness of Eastern Europe. So they never had the opportunity for education. But by the time I was five or six years old, I knew that I would have to go to college someday, and I had no idea what a college was. But I was told, when you get older, you're going to college, and I did. Tragically, my parents died before I graduated. Uh, graduation day was a tough day. I was so proud to be not only the first member of my family um, to graduate from college, but from high school. And my parents weren't there to see it. And it broke my heart. It, it, it upsets me to this very day, believe it or not. Those of us who are close to our families, you know what that's about. Life is a tough proposition for everybody. Uh, for everybody. We're all doing well until we aren't. Things are okay until they're not. But I knew that if I went to college and got a degree, my opportunities for success and a happy, productive, a decent life would increase tremendously. Not anymore. Because we are intentionally, as a country, looking to bring in an army of foreign workers 
<clears throat> pardon me, not just the illegals to do the, the, the bottom rung jobs, but even the high tech workers. I've spoken about Alan Greenspan numerous times, how he said that the solution to wage inequality when he testified before Chuck Schumer's immigration subcommittee back in 2009, the solution to wage inequality is make American high tech workers compete with foreign workers. He said, once you do that, they will stop making all this money they're making. They're making much too much money. We've got to get rid of that wage premium they're earning. And he referred to American middle-class high-tech workers as the privileged elite, this guy that has mansions scattered all over the place. Think about the chutzpah. Think about it. And he said, and if we could do that, what a goal. If we could kill the middle class, then we would greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. So in other words, if you drop out of high school or you have a master's degree and you're a scientist or an engineer, screw you. We're going to make sure that you don't make much more money than the guy that drops out of high school. That's wage equality. That's called communism. And I listen to the, the folks on the right, the conservatives. Oh, we're paying too much money to these people. It's inflationary. I, I, I want you to think about inflationary for a moment. When people make a decent paycheck, they pay taxes. When people make a decent paycheck, they don't need to go on welfare. They don't need food stamps. They don't need housing subsidies. Those are expensive programs. So when we elevate the wages of Americans, not only do they get to live a better life, maybe buy a house, maybe buy a car, take their family on vacation, eat better food, but they also become more affluent consumers so they're able to help stimulate the economy. Think about it. The whole idea behind the economic stimulus package was to dump money into the economy to generate people going out and making purchases. And if you make purchases, you're going to generate jobs. And if you generate jobs, the economy goes up. And now we find out that everything that we manufacture somehow involves China, and you see what happens to that, that whole supply chain. But if we go back before we did all this stupidity, these are self-inflicted wounds, folks. Greed-driven, self-inflicted wounds. Either greed for wealth or greed for power or both. But when Americans got that college education and made a better paycheck, it gave them more money to spend. And instead of one car, perhaps they have a second car. Or maybe they have a motorcycle. Or maybe they buy a small boat. The people that sell the boat make money, and they go out and they spend money. That's called the multiplier effect. So when I hear this nonsense, oh, my God, people working in such and such job or that job, or no, they're making too much money. What do we want, a permanent underclass of people who can barely survive? The, the immigrants do the work Americans won't do. Yeah, that's half the sentence. The other half of the sentence is, yes, the immigrants, really, illegal aliens do the jobs Americans won't do for those wages and under those dangerous substandard conditions. But we never hear the other half of the sentence. We always take stuff out of context. <clears throat> so that's part of the problem. I've always been a labor guy. To me, my dad and his buddies on the construction sites, my dad was a plumber, worked on construction. These guys were American heroes. No job was too dangerous too backbreaking or too filthy. It was a paycheck. I have a friend now who's a plumber, and I remember the other day we were talking, and he was working at a place that was coated with grease. He said he came home, it felt like he was swimming in grease, came home filthy. I said, it's horrible. And he said something my father would have said. Well, it's a paycheck. 
That's the point. The work Americans won't do. Really? So if we enable Americans to do better, America does better. Frank Sinatra is one of my favorite singers. And he did a song called The House I Live In, also known What Is America To Me. And the emphasis was not on the buildings and the factories and the, and the roads and the parks or the mountains. America is made up of its people. America, folks, cannot do well if Americans are not doing well. So when you bring in an army of foreign workers and you displace American workers, Americans lose their jobs. Americans who are fortunate enough to not lose their jobs suffer wage suppression. Sometimes that wage suppression is so severe they become homeless, but no one talks about them. No one talks about American families who become homeless and children are taken from them, their children, by child welfare because of the situation in which they find themselves. Donald Trump separated children from their families under his zero-tolerance policy working with Jeff Sessions because he was trying to de uh, um, de-incentivized illegal immigration. He was trying to discourage illegal immigration. And he said, if you come here illegally, we're going to prosecute you. When you arrest people for committing a criminal offense, we take the parent and we lock the parent up. We don't put the child in jail. That's the alternative. I can tell you I made many, 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 many arrests. I spent half my 30-year career with the Drug Task Force. I've arrested murderers and fugitives and traffickers of drugs and traffickers of narcotics and terrorists. And when you find a bad guy, that bad guy goes to jail. If they have children, the children don't go to jail. They're separated. Very often, up at DEA and at the FBI and ATF working with the local police, we actually worked with the cops, believe it or not, what a thought. We arrested Americans as well as aliens. And if the Americans went to jail, or the aliens went to jail, if they had children, the children were taken care of by child welfare if they couldn't find family members to care for them. Sometimes we would actually have child welfare accompany us. Common sense. There's a you know, two-year-old child in the apartment. Well, we can't leave the two-year-old child by himself or herself. Child welfare takes the child and, and makes sure that the child is put into safe conditions. Donald Trump did the same thing on the border. And all we heard about was Donald Trump, and he separated the families. They talked about the cages. You remember the cages? The cages were built by Obama, built by Biden, actually, because he was part of that administration. So now Biden comes along, and this man wouldn't know the truth if it jumped up and bit him on the gonads, forgive me. Oh, I'm going to have this new bill, build back better, and we're going to make better jobs for Americans. Well, the problem, Joe, is you're a liar. And every time you open your mouth, you're lying. And, you know, my TV now works as a lie detector. Did you know you can get your TV? It's a new feature, folks. You turn on the TV. And you flip the channels till you get to Joe Biden standing in front of a camera. And if his mouth is moving, he's lying. So now your television is a lie detector. You could say the same thing for most politicians, period. I don't care what party they're with. They could be with the hopping kangaroo party. Joe Biden included in that bill a massive amnesty, which would allow tens of millions of illegal aliens to get lawful status without the ability to interview them, without the ability to do field investigations, and then they would be able to bring all their children here. We could look at an influx of tens of millions, maybe 100 million, maybe more children. <clears throat> and I wrote about this in Front Page magazine. I do a lot of writing for Front Page. I've been writing for them since, I think, 2013, 2014. Very proud of my relationship with the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, they are the sponsor behind Front Page magazine, frontpagemag.com. 
And so I've been writing about this forever, this whole idea about taking care of Americans first and, and where we are with the politicians and where we are with amnesty and how damaging this is to America. So Joe Biden wants to bring in all these aliens. They can bring in their kids. And someone responded to one of my articles in Front Page Magazine by saying, well, you know what? There's not that many children in Latin America that we could wind up with 100 million. And you know what? That's probably true. However, the people coming across the border with Mexico aren't only from Latin America. They're coming from Asia. They're coming from Africa. They're coming from the Caribbean. They're coming from the Middle East. They're coming from everywhere. That's the point. And they would all be entitled to get amnesty, lawful status, identity documents, and then bring all their kids here and their spouses here. And Mayorkas is running Homeland Security, or as I call it, Homeland Surrender. And he's already said that if aliens commit fraud to get citizenship, they lie about material facts, he will not denaturalize them, even though the law says we're supposed to. We don't need no stinking laws. We don't need no legislative process. We have Joe Biden with the, using Obama's magic pen and magic phone, executive order after executive order, and violating the law and encouraging the violations of law. The Biden administration, in my judgment, in a very real sense, is now operating the largest human trafficking operation in the history of the United States. Think about it. Moving illegal aliens into the country and then dispersing them around the United States with midnight flights. And it was interesting how Jen Psaki got into it with a correspondent from Fox News when he said, you're doing this in the middle of the night. And she said, no, 2.30 in the morning is very early. That's not the middle of the night. Trying to turn the conversation away from what they were doing to when they were doing it and whether it's really the middle of the night or just very early in the morning. Wow. <laughs> Could you be more obvious? This is a con game being perpetrated on the American people. It's been perpetrated on the American people by both parties for decades. The first president to stand up to the lies and the BS was Donald Trump. You wonder why everybody was in a state of rage over Trump and the political establishment? What is he doing? He's making promises and actually keeping them. Now, I want you to understand I didn't agree with every policy. And I don't believe I would want Donald Trump for a friend. I saw what he did to Jeff Sessions, and I had a real big issue with that. Jeff Sessions, I think, was a, is an honorable guy and was trying to do what he could, but the Justice Department was trying to protect itself. I'm so glad that Durham seems to be hitting pay dirt. But my gosh, Donald Trump had a list of promises made and promises kept. What was Donald Trump thinking? Trying to give politicians a good name? Because we know that most of them are con artists and charlatans. Most of them belong to the same party, the Republican Party. But Trump said the border is the problem. Uh, he could have gotten better advice. As big a problem as the Mexican border is, the biggest element of immigration enforcement that has been intentionally neglected is enforcement of the immigration laws from within the interior of the United States. Any alien who is sufficiently motivated to enter the United States illegally will ultimately succeed. You know, I, I used to meet with members of Congress, not only at hearings, but in private. And I remember sitting in a room with a bunch of members of Congress and their staff having an informal meeting. It lasted a couple of hours. I thought it was very productive. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to ask you a simple question. How many times does an alien have to attempt to run the border and come here illegally before they are successful? 
And one of the members of Congress looked at me and said, Mr. Cutler, are you telling me that there's a specific number? I said, no, there isn't a specific number, but there is a formula. The number of times it takes an alien to finally enter the United States is one more than the number of times they get caught. Well, everybody in the room kind of laughed, but they knew this isn't a joke. This is a serious problem. So what's the message? If you are determined, you will succeed. So, And where are you headed? This isn't like Neil Armstrong going to the moon, picking up some rocks, planting a flag, and going home. Aliens who run the border, aliens who come in through ports of entry and disappear, <clears throat> head for the interior of the United States. They head to towns and cities, literally, from coast to coast and border to border. And what do we do about it? Virtually nothing. The amnesty of 86 that Reagan foisted on us, we were told a million aliens would be involved. <clears throat> then we were ultimately told that somewhere between three and a half and four million got lawful status. That's not accurate either. That's, again, part of the con game. The real number is unknown because the real number would have to include all of the children and spouses of the aliens who got lawful status who were then given visas to come here legally as resident aliens. So Reagan's roughly 4 million may well have been 20 million. They didn't want anybody to know that because that is really a big number. Now we're being told there's 11 million illegal aliens. Uh, Yale University in 2018 estimated more than double that number. How many more have come in because of Biden? How many more are there that we weren't even figuring on? See, I believe there's at least 30 million illegal aliens in the United States right now. And if we legalize 30 million... <clears throat> and on average, let's say each claims to have four children, we're looking at an influx of over 100 million kids. So for all the talk about Build Back Better and all the talk about the environment and all the talk about inflation and all the talk about the supply chain and health care and vaccinations, think about that. If we admit 100 million kids, they all need more than a pillow to sleep on. They all need water. And think about what's happening with the drought out west. They all need electricity. They all need food. They all need shelter. They all need clothing. They all need transportation. They all need education. They will ultimately need health care. <clears throat> so we're really talking about the infrastructure. Education seems to be the hot number right now. And it is the hot number because of what happened with the school boards and, and, and what we're hearing from the Biden administration about parents who are concerned about critical race theory being taught to their kids are now being accused of being white supremacists and, and, and um, you know, terrorists, domestic terrorists. Really? The reality is that education would be hammered by the influx of 100 million. First of all, these kids will all need to be in school. Do we have enough teachers? Do we have enough classrooms? Do we have enough supplies? How many schools are almost bankrupt right now? How many teachers haven't been inoculated and, and they're being told if you're not inoculated, you can't teach in the classroom? But it gets worse. The Congressional Budget Office back in 2006 or 2007 did a study about the impact of illegal immigration on America from an economic perspective. <clears throat> and the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, found that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate a child who is not proficient in the English language. So what are we saying? Well, if we add 100 million or 80 million or 110, whatever the number is, 
first of all, we need the schools, we need the classrooms, we need the teachers, we need the supplies. And now we need to teach English as a second language, some money that should be going to help children who have learning disabilities, autism and ADD and all these other problems. That money is going to evaporate. It's evaporating now. And it's being shifted to English as a second language. How does that help American children? I was having a discussion with a young lady a day or two ago. She's an activist. She's on our side. I was trying to provide her with some perspectives and advice. And she said to me, boy, those liberals, it's always about emotions. What is it with them? And I said, well, you know, I'm registered as a Democrat. I haven't voted for a Democrat in years because the Democrats aren't really Democrats. It's certainly not the Democrats I used to vote for. But I said, what do you mean the Democrats are all about emotions and we're not? Why aren't we? Why aren't we? If you go to Front Page Magazine, and I, and I hope you will after my program, and I hope you will share the link to my article with everybody you could possibly share that link with, my article is entitled, Biden Seeks to Prove That Crime Pays, the subtitle, Compensating Illegal Aliens Supposedly Separated at the Border. You've heard the story by now, I'm sure, that they're proposing giving 450000 to each alien child who's been separated from his parents. So each family could wind up with a million dollars. Actually, it's not each family. Let's not forget lawyers get their cut. The ACLU and other lawyers are bringing lawsuits. I guarantee you they're not doing this pro bono. <clears throat> Why doesn't someone ask that question? What percentage will the ACLU get? What percentage will these other law firms get? Remember what I've said in the past. The immigration system is a delivery system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, not just the illegal, the high-tech workers, an unlimited supply of foreign tourists. That's why we have this idiotic, dangerous visa waiver program. An unlimited supply of students, including students from countries like China that pose a threat to our well-being, having their engineers and programmers educated in America so now they can threaten us with the skills that their citizens acquired inside the United States. And finally, an unlimited supply of clients from immigration law firms, both sides of the aisle of immigration lawyers. Okay. Uh, Bob Goodlatte was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Republican, immigration lawyer, always pushing immigration bills that furthered the agenda of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. Now, right now, Zoe Lofgren chairs the House Immigration Subcommittee. She's a Democrat. <clears throat> She's a key player in the American Immigration Lawyers Association. So they're feathering their nest once again, literally, at the expense of America and Americans. So they don't want you to know all these numbers and all of these factors. So we're talking of providing $450,000 per child who is separated from his family, supposedly, when we know many of these kids were actually bought here by adults who are not members of their family. If you look at my article, I included a link to a report about how a five- or six-month-old infant was being dragged across the Rio Grande by an illegal alien who claimed to be the baby's father, and it turned out he was not only not the baby's father, but he was a guy with a criminal history who had been previously deported from the United States. So Donald Trump said, we're not just going to put these children into the hands of some adult who pops up and says, yep, that's my baby. He said, we're going to do DNA testing. And the courts jumped in and said, no, you won't. That's too time-consuming. And I was listening to a reporter on, on Fox News, uh, I believe it was yesterday, down on the border, and he says, well, we see these young men, and these are the runners. They're doing everything they can to avoid being arrested. And it's believed that at least a half million such aliens have entered the United States. 
a half million. Think about that number, a half million, 500,000. What's daunting about that, it just took 19 terrorists on 9-11 to kill more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor. What percentage of a half million is 19? It's a fraction of 1%. Imagine if 1% or 2% of the people running the border and getting away are terrorists. We are really screwed. We now have a big bottle of large economy side screwed sitting on the table, don't we? So you, you have this going on, but meanwhile, we don't know who these kids belong to because this reporter at Fox News said that what he saw were those single men who were the runners, <coughs> pardon me, and family units. How do you know they're family units? How do you know that those children are actually with their own families and not with smugglers, not with people claiming to be their family so they can use them as a way of getting into the United States because adults who are accompanied by their children will not be detained? Think about that. We don't know if those children are with their mothers or fathers or aunts or uncles. We have no idea. All that we know is we have a lot of kids with a lot of adults, and God only knows what relationship may or may not exist between those children and the adults. So Donald Trump was actually acting responsibly and in accordance with law and court decisions when he said, we're not going to simply turn these kids over. We have to detain the families, etc." And Biden now says, well, if you separated the families, we're going to pay these people money. Now, the word on the street probably is a very simple one. Not saying that a couple thousand kids are going to get this kind of money, but aliens who are coming in are getting a half million dollars. Again, firing the starters pistol for still more illegal aliens because this is the immigration delivery system being run by Joe Biden or at least the people that pull his strings. I don't think he can run much of anything these days. So <clears throat> that's where we are. And in my article, I, I asked a couple of interesting questions. As you will see, that's why I hope you get to read it. I hope it's thought-provoking. But I said, you know, lots of American kids are separated from their families, and their parents didn't do anything wrong. The alien children who are taken from their parents, if it's their parents, violated our borders, violated our laws. When you violate the law, you get arrested. Your children are taken from you. This happens no matter what the case is. If a guy gets caught drunk driving and he's got kids in the car, they're going to take the kids out of the car and put the guy in jail, <clears throat> separating the families, aren't they? Normal procedure. A guy robs a bank. They, they take him to, to jail. If he has children, the kids stay home. He goes to jail. You don't bring the kids to jail. They're being separated. But how many American children are permanently separated from their parents when their parents are killed by aliens who should have been deported? shouldn't have been at large. Aliens released because of the policies of sanctuary cities. Released or not deported because of the policies of the Biden administration. Those children, those American children, will never be reunited with their parents. Never, ever. What are they getting? How about American kids or even immigrant children <clears throat> whose parents are killed by thugs who have criminal histories were arrested and released back out onto the street because of this idiotic no-cash-bail uh, philosophy that now is referred to as social justice. Children's parents are dead. They are permanently separated. How much should we be paying them? By the way, <clears throat> alien children are again being separated from their parents by the Biden administration, but they don't want you to think about that. 
we have to focus on the man with the orange hair. Orange hair bad. MAGA bad. What in the world are we doing? What in the world are we doing? And when you hear about all these aliens who've been caught by the Border Patrol, so what? Where are they? They weren't beamed out of here up to the Starship Enterprise. They weren't sent home. They were told, show up in court. We'll see you. When? Who knows? The immigration courts are now so overwhelmed. Folks, it's going to take decades to dig out of this hole that Joe Biden has dug for America. And every day, thousands more aliens are going on that waiting list for a court date. Tens of thousands. Every month, 100, 200,000, God only knows, plus the getaways who are here illegally. We will never dig out of the hole that Biden is digging for America, and that seems to be his goal. Joe Biden is the wrecking crew. And I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine a while back, and I said that for the Democrats to do well, the Republicans, I'm sorry, the Americans must fail. Why? Because Americans who are unable to support themselves need the government to help them. They need food stamps and housing subsidies. And what does that mean? They have to go to the party of the handout, which gives the Democrats the ability to defeat the Republicans in many races because people will vote for the party of the handout if they're desperate enough. I truly believe that the goal of the Democrat Party is not to do what's in the best interest of America or Americans, but to do what's in their best interest to seize power. And believe me, there's no halos floating over the Republicans' heads either because they want to kowtow to their campaign contributors just the way the Democrats do. And by the way, it was interesting, but I believe it was Rance Priebus who was on Fox News earlier this week. And he said something that blew me away. He was on and said, the Democrats are getting money from people who want open borders and the Republican contributors want secure borders, vote for the Republicans. They said, wait a minute. First of all, both parties are taking money from the globalists who don't want borders. But second of all, the former head of the Republican Party was advocating that you vote for a candidate because the candidate is being bribed by the appropriate lobbyists? Is this not crazy? Let that sink in. Vote for the candidate who takes money from people that want what you want, supposedly. Is this what the founding fathers had in mind? You know, I've often said that we need a new position in the government, perhaps uh, the official auctioneer. I wrote an article a while back. I'm thinking about reviving the title, The Fencing of America. No, not that fence. In law enforcement, a fence is somebody who sells stolen property. America and the future of our children and their children is up for bids. That's why we have a problem with the supply chain, because corporations wanted cheap cheap labor, cheap products, and no environmental or safety controls. And if you can't do it in America, you do it in China. And if you can't do it in China, you go to Malaysia or some other third world country. The companies moved out, and manufacturing moved out with it, and Donald Trump was bringing back manufacturing. Obama said it couldn't be done. I'm all for profit. I'm a capitalist. But at some point, there's got to be some morality that goes with the money. Back in the 50s, the average CEO earned perhaps 50 times what the average factory worker made. 
Today, it's more than 500 times. This is a level of greed that's off the charts. And how we the people allow this crap to happen is beyond me. And I'll tell you what, we needed to buy a new stove. We're getting a new stove delivered tomorrow. And my first requirement, folks, is that that stove be manufactured in the United States. In the United States. I have a car that's manufactured by a foreign company, but manufactured in the United States by American workers. And you know what? To me, it's not where the company headquarters is anymore because these are all globalist outfits. I want to know where that machine was manufactured. I want to know that American hands put that car together, put that dishwasher together, put that stove together. We need to start to buy whatever we're buying that's made in America. I bought an expensive office chair when we got the stimulus check. I said, well, we're supposed to stimulate the economy? Fine. So I bought a chair that was manufactured in the United States. I called up another company. They make a very nice chair. They did a lot of TV commercials. You've probably seen it. I'm not going to mention which one, but, you know. And I called up, and I said, where is this thing manufactured? They said, oh, China. I said, really? Have a nice day. Is there a problem? I said, yes. When you start manufacturing your chairs in America, I'll buy one. But as long as you're going to have it manufactured in China, no sale. We should be doing this with everything. And if you want to have fun on a day when you don't have anything to do, call up a company, even if you don't intend to buy anything, just have some fun, and ask them, where do you manufacture that chair? Where do you manufacture that stove or that refrigerator? Oh, China. You know, I was going to buy it, but no, I would never buy something made there. Have a nice day. Click. Imagine if thousands of Americans called up American companies, so-called, and said, where do you manufacture that item? And they say to you, it's made outside the country, especially China. No sale. You know, if one person does it, not a big deal. We are 330 million strong folks. We have a loud voice if we only used it. My father said to me that the only people who could intimidate me would be the people that I permitted to intimidate me, and we've allowed our government to intimidate us. That's not what the Founding Fathers had in mind. The highest position in the United States government is not president, it's citizen. The one word that all these politicians want us to forget about. Citizen. It was a credit card company that used to have a slogan that said membership has its rewards. Don't you think citizenship should have its rewards? So Joe Biden is willing to give $450,000 to illegal aliens for violating our borders and ignoring the fact that how many Americans have been killed by aliens who have no right to be here? How many Americans have lost their jobs to foreign workers who have no right to be here? How many Americans were made sick by aliens who had no right to be here but came in without being vaccinated and suffering from COVID or other dangerous diseases and then were dispersed across America while Americans must wear masks and must be vaccinated if they want to go to work or go on a plane or or do anything else? Well, if you believe that the vaccines are essential, that's fine. But then why in the world are you permitting aliens into the country who have not been vaccinated and may even be suffering from the disease that you claim you want to vanquish? Hypocrisy is running rampantly through the arguments being made by these jokers and liars. It's irrefutable. Is it not? 
And the idea that people are told you have to be vaccinated, what happens if your doctor says to you, hey, Charlie, <clears throat> you have a pre-existing condition, and I recommend you not be vaccinated because it could be dangerous for you. Now where are you? Risk your life or lose your job? Is that what America is becoming? This is about controlling us. This is about control. This is Simon Says with consequences. This is follow the leader with consequences. Nancy Pelosi and all these other elitists, right, going to these fancy restaurants or hairdressers, no mask. But she's Nancy, the ice cream queen. Talk about chutzpah. Talk about a lack of compassion. On the night that Americans didn't know if they'd be able to feed their children, Nancy stands in front of her $26,000 freezer and shows off her designer ice cream. You're hungry? I'm not. Too bad. I'm Nancy. Really? And people vote for this nonsense? It's outrageous. It's outrageous. It's contemptuous. And all she was doing was showing disdain and contempt for the American people whom she was voted to represent. How? She can't relate to us. She detests us. <laughs> Think about Hillary and her basket of deplorables. For her, that's any American who wouldn't vote for her or maybe put money into the Clinton Foundation. I find it interesting that Durham seems to be inching closer and closer and closer to Hillary. I wrote an article about Hillary a while back during the 2016 campaign. I compared her to a virus. I called it the Hillary virus. You know, there's two types of viruses, ladies and gentlemen. There's the pathogen, the virus that makes you sick, like the COVID virus or smallpox virus or whatever. And then there's the computer virus. Well, the pathogen makes you physically ill, and the computer virus um, takes away the integrity of your system. It corrupts your system. The Hillary virus, you see. So we have all this nonsense going on. For years, children were taught that they, the, the, the authorities would take care of the bullies for them. I hate schoolyard bullies. <clears throat> I was a scrawny kid. Never gave much thought to sports. Not my thing. Uh, my favorite oxymoron is heroic play. I'm still trying to figure out how you can be a hero when you're playing. My heroes were people like Alan Shepard and Gus Grissom, Chuck Yeager, Scott Crossfield, uh, Neil Armstrong. Those are heroes. And because I didn't think sports figures were heroes, but I thought test pilots and astronauts were heroes, and I was scrawny, I used to get beat up all the time. It was terrible. I hated it. And my mom would be upset to see me come home with a bloody nose and torn shirt. She didn't have the money to replace the shirt, and she hated to see me get hurt. My dad sat me down. He said, hey, Mike, uh, this has to stop. He said, you can run for so long, but ultimately you're going to have to turn around and, and confront these people that are doing it to you. He said, you're going to go to a gym. You're going to build up some muscles. You're going to learn how to box. And he said, all it's going to take is for you to stand up on your own two feet like a man and defend yourself. He said, I don't want you to start the fights. He said, you don't throw the last punch, but damn it, you will throw the last punch. And he said, if anyone ever throws a punch at you, you never again walk by them with your hands in your pockets. You'd be prepared. And he said, if anyone does throw a punch at you, he said, you know the first thing you're supposed to do? I said, punch back. He said, no. I said, really? I'm not supposed to? He said, no. The first thing you do is you grab onto that guy with your left hand. You hold onto his belt, something that doesn't tear, so he can't go anywhere. 
and then you go to work with your right hand. He said, because if you keep having these hit-and-run attacks, this guy's going to be doing it forever, and it gets old. He said, if you have to fight with somebody, it needs to be decisive so that nobody in their right mind will ever come near you again. That's advice America should follow, don't you think? But the point was I learned how to stand on my own two feet. I took on the bullies. I had a couple of fist fights. They were very decisive, and nobody ever bothered me again. If you buy a puppy or you, or you get a puppy or you've been with, it with a little pup or, or, a, or a kitten or whatever, you know they all play fight. Why are they play fighting? They are preparing for life. Schoolyard bullies are actually sparring partners. And if you don't know how to deal with a schoolyard bully, how the hell will you deal with the real bullies when you become an adult and have to deal with some seriously uh, dangerous people as, as, you, as you go through life? No one's doing children a favor by telling them we're going to fight your battles for you. People that are caught bullying need to be made to face consequences. Don't for a heartbeat misunderstand what I'm telling you. I hate bullies. But who's doing the damage to us now? It's the, the people that are claiming they're going to protect us from the bullies who are the bullies. The people telling you, follow the science. What science? I had cancer a number of years ago, 20 years ago. And the first thing my doctor told me, and he was the head of of urology at a major uh, hospital here in New York. He saved my life ultimately. But he said, Mr. Cutler, before you decide whether you want me to treat you or not, I urge you to get at least one or two additional opinions. He said, this is New York. There's no shortage of good doctors and good hospitals. Get a second opinion. Get a third opinion. I want you to be comfortable with whatever decision you make. Why is that? These are all doctors. They're all heavily credentialed. These are people who went to the best medical schools in the world and are practicing medicine for years. But he said, look, there's always going to be differences of opinion. And doctors are very much like scientists. It's cutting edge, right? Literally, when you're dealing with a surgeon, I guess. Didn't realize the pun until I just thought about it. But the advice he gave me is seek out a second and a third opinion. And now what are we hearing? Follow the science. I wrote an article about the science Nazis and about how Hitler was run out of Germany during the Second World War. And I thought it was simply a matter that he was Jewish, and being a Jew in Germany was not a very good idea back then. But it was worse. Hitler's henchmen went after Einstein and other Jewish physicists and scientists and accused them of practicing Jewish science, like today fake news, right, Jewish science. And they actually got two physicists who had been awarded the Nobel Prize for Physics to ridicule Hitler and assemble riots where he spoke, similar to what you see with Antifa on college campuses, and they threatened to kill Hitler, they threatened to beat him. Some of his colleagues, also Jewish, were beaten, were threatened. He felt that if he didn't leave Germany, he was going to die. Why? Because he was practicing Jewish science, and he was ridiculed. And the German people were convinced that he was a liar and that his theories were all wrong. What were the theories? His theories on relativity, the general theory on relativity, and the the, uh, special theory on relativity, special relativity. Well, if you know anything about science and physics, you know that today physicists using the latest equipment have substantiated just about every theory that Einstein was able to come up with using the laboratory that existed between his own two ears. But that didn't stop the Nazi war machine, the anti-Semitic nonsense of the Third Reich, 
they attacked Hitler, they attacked Einstein rather for practicing Jewish science. And now we're being told follow the science. What science? You mean there's unanimity, there's complete agreement? Ask Mr. Fauci how many times he's hip hopped back and forth between one mask, two masks, no masks, etc., etc., etc. You got to wonder about his relationship with that lab in China, don't you? But follow the science. This is a game of intimidation. If you believe that our country should have a secure border and that people who come legally should be properly screened to make certain that they don't pose a threat to our safety or our well-being, you will be described as being anti-immigrant in the mainstream media. If you want anarchy on the border, and even conservative programs will define you as being pro-immigrant. What a bunch of crap. You're pro-immigrant if you want anarchy, and you're anti-immigrant if you want a legal system that protects everybody. If you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, and I always like to put a link to that section of law in my articles. It shows up in many of my articles. It's such an important section of law because it provides irrefutable evidence about what the immigration laws are about. It's not about race or religion or ethnicity. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity, every nationality has the good, the bad, and the ugly because human nature is human nature is human nature. I don't care what ethnic group you want to point to or whatever. You have wonderful people and you have horrible people, period. It's just the way it is. That's what people are. We all bleed red when we're cut, and human nature is universal. So Title VIII, United States Code Section 1182, enumerates the categories of aliens who are to be kept out of the United States. It doesn't talk about skin color. It doesn't talk about religion. It doesn't talk about ethnicity. All it talks about is aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who have mental illness, Remember, Ellis Island is a quarantine station, and think where we are right now with COVID. Aliens who are criminals and spies and terrorists and human rights violators and war criminals and fugitives from justice. Aliens who are human traffickers and drug smugglers. Aliens who would become a public charge or aliens who, if they worked, would displace American workers are to be kept out of the United States to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans, period. I want to know who in their right mind can stand up in all sincerity and say, that's a lousy law. Why would you want to keep criminals, terrorists, fugitives, uh, and aliens with dangerous diseases out of our country? Why would you not want to have Americans displaced by foreign workers? Are you crazy? But nobody seems to bother to read. We have to get beyond the headlines. When we speak to our neighbors, you need to raise these issues. Stay away from personalities. That's crazy. Personalities don't work. I, I will tell you, I was very dismayed on January 6th when the crowd started chanting fights for Trump. I voted for Donald Trump, but I'm not going to fight for Donald Trump. I don't fight for politicians. I don't care who the politician is unless one of my kids ran for office, then I'd fight for them. I'm a good parent. But I, I, as an agent, I took an oath to defend America. I took an oath to defend the Constitution. That makes sense. So stay away from personalities. Talk to your neighbors. Ask them, what do you think would happen to America if we brought in 100 million kids? How would that help the future of your children or your grandchildren or your nieces or your nephews? Do you think this makes sense? The 9-11 Commission made it clear that, immig that immigration failures were the only reason that the terror attacks of 9-11 were possible. No other reason. 
immigration failed. It failed to keep out the terrorists. It failed to keep them from embedding themselves. We're giving driver's licenses to people who can't prove who they are. The 19 hijackers in the aggregate used more than 360 false names, including multiple driver's licenses from states around the United States. So even if you're living in a state where you have a rational governor, somebody with a New York driver's license or a New Jersey driver's license or a Pennsylvania driver's license or an Illinois driver's license or a California driver's license can come to your state, rent a car, and carry out a terrorist attack, God forbid. Why are we allowing this? We would never get on an airplane if we saw fellow passengers sneaking past TSA. Would you? But then why in the world are we being forced to live among millions of aliens who evaded the same sort of a vetting process conducted at ports of entry for the same reason? To keep out criminals and terrorists and aliens with dangerous diseases, etc., etc., etc. It's irrational and it's unreasonable. And then you hear what's outrageous being foisted on us as being fairly reasonable. Well, if they've been living here for seven years, they meaning the illegal aliens and they haven't been arrested, then of course we should let them stay. They pay taxes. If you're making $15 an hour, and many illegals don't even make that much, and even if you're working on the books, how much taxes do you think you pay? And under earned tax credit, you can claim children out of the country, and IRS not only will not tax you, but they will send you a, a check. Think about that madness. But even without that, even if you don't do that and you're here illegally and you're paying taxes and you're making 30000 a year, because that's roughly what $15 an hour works out to if you're working a 40-hour work week, one visit to the ER, and forget about whatever taxes you might have paid to buy work gloves or sneakers or blue jeans. I mean, that's the taxes they're paying. And in most places, if you're an illegal alien, you get food stamps, you get housing subsidies, you get free medical treatment. But people say to me that they're paying taxes. When I point all that out, they look at you and they, they don't know what to say. Because no one bothers to think what's behind the words and the arguments. Gee, I didn't think of that. They're making 30000 a year and, 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 they, and they're spending some sales tax. But, but and if they have a child and the child goes to school in New York, it costs $25,000 a year to educate a child in public school. These people aren't taking home $25,000 a year. So what taxes are they paying? Well, if they've been living here for seven years, well, how do you know? If we legalize millions of people, folks, that means there will be no interviews at all. There will be no field investigation. And they may be using four, five, six, eight different fake names. And the adjudicator is told we've got a backlog of millions of applications. Don't waste time. Well, the easiest way to get rid of an application, and I know this because I was an adjudicator for a year. I did all these jobs. I didn't read about it somewhere. You can get rid of an application in 15 minutes to 30 minutes if you approve it. It could take days or longer to deny an application because then you have to justify the denial, anticipating that it's going to go to court. Nobody is upset when you approve the application. So the pressure is on to approve all the applications. And let's remember Mayorkas, when he ran Citizenship and Immigration Services for President Obama, insisted that the adjudicators that worked for him approve just about everything that landed on their desks, even when the applications were filed by organizations that had a potential nexus to terrorist groups, believe it or not. The Office of Inspector General did an investigation, and ABC News back then reported on it. I've written about Mallorca's at Front Page Magazine. I urge you to read what I've written. He ordered his people to get to yes, 
So do you think he's going to ask anybody to verify when these people came here? This is the guy that said if you commit fraud to become an American citizen, we're not going to take away your citizenship. He wants to approve everything. We will have no idea who we're giving lawful status to. They could have come here last week and claimed they've been here for five years, and they will be in. This will crash the system. America will look like Venezuela overnight. This isn't about xenophobia. I don't care where these folks come from. And if you've ever thrown a party, you know that you figure out who you would really like to invite, and then you figure out, well, how many seats do you have at the table, or how many seats do you have in, in, the, in the hall that you're renting for that party or that wedding or that bar mitzvah or that confirmation or that graduate. Well, they can have 100 guests, but you have a list of 150. You have to start knocking people off the list, not because you don't like them, because as a matter of practicality, you simply can't invite them all. We admit more than a million lawful immigrants every year. We give them green cards. We put them on the pathway to citizenship. They're here. They're here, and their families are with them. How many more? That, that figure is more than the rest of the world combined. Okay? We are that generous with our immigration policies. There's nothing anti-immigrant about being careful that we don't let in the bad guys. And by the way, the most likely victims of the transnational criminals, and I don't care if they come from Latin America or Italy or Israel, or they come from Africa or Jamaica or Japan, doesn't matter. I've arrested people from all those countries. I got an award from the Japanese government. I don't think they have Latinos in Japan. Okay, it's not about Latinos. It's not about brown skin. But the most likely victims are the people who live within those ethnic immigrant communities where the bad guys set up shop and hide in plain sight. And you look at the flood of narcotics into the United States, how many people are dying of drug overdoses or dying because people get high and get behind the wheel and kill people or commit armed robberies to get the money so they can feed their addiction or get caught up in the drug trade. And increasingly, the gangs are setting up shop across America because of Joe Biden. Maybe the people who lose their lives, maybe the relatives of those people, should be getting $450,000 a pop. What do you think? These are the questions you should be asking your neighbors. This is an emotional issue. But is it the time that when we throw down the compassion cards, that we make certain that that compassion card focuses on American families and American children first. If, God forbid, you found out that there was a fire in your children's school, it should never happen to anybody, but if you heard that and you ran into that building, who do you think you're going to want to save first? It makes common sense that Americans should stand together. We should be ignoring the superficial issues that might divide us, and we should all be united under that wonderful red, white, and blue flag of these United States of America. The enemies of America are having a field day, and they are encouraging the dissent that all too frequently is coming from the very same politicians that we elected to represent us, our families, and our best interests. Got to stop. We the people can make it happen. And please don't tell me that you're one person. You look through the history books and you will find many instances where a single person acting in the right way at the right time on the right day made all the difference in the world. If you like this program, please send the, pod, the link to the podcast to as many friends of yours as you can, along with links to my articles. Check out my article at Front Page Magazine. Please remember democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week right here 
of the Michael Cutler album. Stay safe and well.